0: Welcome to another day as we continue our journey through the Word of God, through the Bible. And I hope you're enjoying this as we continue our journey here through the Gospel of Matthew. And today we're going to start looking at the very last chapter in the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 28. Now this is an amazing chapter because this is about Jesus rising from the dead. We have to understand that when Jesus died on the cross, that was an atonement and a payment for our sins. Him rising again from the dead is what made that atonement a, a a gift that he could give to us forever. But it also did something. It ensured his rising from the dead and res, being resurrected. It it gave him the opportunity to not just forgive us of our sins, but to promise us an eternal life with our heavenly Father. And so, I guess you could say that the 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 efforts of Jesus on the cross dealt with our past, and the efforts of him in the grave and coming out of the grave secured our future. And I love that. I, I love it how th- there's so many things in the Bible uh, where we read these stories. Uh, about the religious leaders and about the Romans and about the leaders, all those kind of people who did things that really didn't make a lot of rational sense. For example, why put guards outside the tomb? Who guards a dead man? Either they genuinely were afraid of the disciples being able to move the stone away and take Jesus, or they knew that Jesus actually was going to raise them the dead. Why? Because he told them multiple times. Jesus always tells us so many times before we finally get it and he, he had told them and they'd remembered now the disciples had forgotten but the religious leaders hadn't forgotten and so they didn't want just a couple of guards they wanted like a troop of guards out there And that was really about protecting Jesus from coming out, not about the disciples going in. And then you have to remember that these people were the same people that knew the stories of Jesus raising people from the dead. Uh, They knew the story of Lazarus. They knew that Lazarus plays that part in the last week of Jesus. And so we 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 know that people knew that Jesus had the ability, the miracle-working power to bring people back from the dead. And that's the picture we paint as we move into Matthew chapter 28. So I want you to think about that. Let's read what happened on Sunday morning. Okay. Now after the Sabbath, as the first day of the week began to dawn, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary came to see the tomb. And behold, there was a great earthquake. For an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came back and rolled back the stone from the door and sat on it. And his countenance was like lightning and his clothing as white as snow. They came to finish the preparation of Jesus' body. They weren't allowed to under Jewish law to do that on the Sabbath, which would have been the Saturday. So they had to wait for that to finish and then come on the Sunday. And they came fully expecting to find the dead body of Jesus to, to do him the honor of being properly prepared. And all of a sudden there's this great earthquake. Now think about this. There's already been amazing supernatural events. We've had a three-hour eclipse on the day, on the Friday, uh, which is what they call it, a three-hour eclipse. In other words, where where the, there was no light and we know that it wasn't uh, just something that could be explained uh, naturally. It had to be supernatural because just the way that the timing of the calendars work. Uh, with Passover, you couldn't have had a, an eclipse at Passover. So we've already had this miraculous uh display over the power of creation by God on the Friday. Now here we have on the Sunday. Now we've got an earthquake. We've got an angel uh, coming with lightning. Have you ever thought about that? Have you ever been in a thunderstorm and when the lightning is a long way away, you see it and then it's like five or six seconds later and you go, oh, that's five or six miles away. and And the closer it gets... Not just the closer the gap in time between the lightning and the thunder, but the intensity of the thunder until it actually strikes in your backyard and it's exactly the same time. And there's a feeling of the intensity of the lightning, the brightness, the power, the sound, all those things all together. And so here we have God displaying his supernatural power over his creation again. And this is something that the two Marys walk right in the middle of. Uh, They work in, uh, right in the middle of an earthquake and, and an angel whose countenance is like lightning. Uh, how amazing that, that the very first thing that these people experienced was the power of God. And I love that Jesus doesn't just have power over our past, he has power over our future as well. And these women came to the tomb, they see the angel sitting on the stone. The The door to the tomb is incredibly wide open. And you have to think about that, that, Stone was like a, a gate that was trapping the body of Jesus in the grave. And now it becomes a place of rest where the angel sits on that stone. Something that was a door and a gate now becomes a place of rest. And uh, I think about all these amazing things that we get out of this. So let's move on to verse 4. And the guards shook for fear of him. That's the angel. And they became like dead men. So you got these big burly guards. We're, we're super tough. We're all here. And then they just see the angel and they're like, oh, blah, 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 gone. And the angel answered and says to the woman, do not be afraid, which is easy for him to say, really, yeah, just chill out, okay? I know you've just experienced a whole lot of supernatural craziness, but hey, it's all good. Don't be afraid. I know that you seek Jesus who was crucified. He is not here for he is risen As he said, come see the place where the Lord lay. Now, the soldiers were terrified uh, and they fall over. And what does the angel say? He's risen. He's not here. As he said, for the first time, the followers of Jesus, who were these two incredibly faithful women, heard something they didn't expect to hear, even though it was in total alignment with what Jesus had told them over and over and over again. They hear Jesus is not in the tomb. He's risen, and he has risen to a resurrection life, which is an amazing thing when you think about it. And I love that. I love you, you see these, these, these two women experiencing something that uh, nobody else got to experience. Now, there are many examples in the bible of people being brought back to life resuscitated you could say or just risen from the dead uh you've got the widow's son in the book of, uh, of elijah in first kings chapter 17 you've got the story of lazarus in john chapter 11 um you've got all these situations where somebody was brought back to life but they eventually died again that's the difference from just somebody who is risen from the dead or brought back to life and somebody who was resurrected. Somebody who is resurrected is still alive. They have not died again. Jesus is the only person who has ever done that. Uh, each of those people who were risen from the dead previously, they arose from, the, from their dead state in the same body, in the same way they were before. Jesus didn't. Jesus had a resurrected, glorified body. And he wasn't just here to continue living. He was here to live forever because he had conquered death. Nobody else had ever done that. That's why they couldn't live forever. So Jesus now has his earthly bodies gone. It's done. Now he has his heavenly body that is going to last him for eternity. And so we too will have a heavenly body that will last us for eternity. And so here we have Uh, a reminder that when Jesus says he will do something, he will do it. He has risen as he said. And that's a reminder to so many of us today who we look at this and we're like, well, what has God said to me in his word? What has God said? Well, if he said it to you in his word, it's for you. 5,309 promises in the word of God just for you. He said it. It's for you. Stop thinking they're not. That's you limiting the power of God, the supernatural power of the Holy Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead. So you need to stop that and start believing that they are for you. This is what the angel was trying to tell these two ladies. Now, Jesus resurrects as a man who is fully God and he is somebody who has come to earth fully man. He now stands in the place as the last Adam. He was the second Adam and he was the last Adam. We don't need another one. First one let us down. The second one didn't. And he was the son of man. Descended from Adam and he was the son of God. Now as resurrected savior, he gets to be God. Now, you've got to think about this. He's fully God. He's fully God who is alive. He's fully God who has the power over life, sin, and death. He has it all. That's the Savior we serve. Now, in Israel, if you go to Jerusalem, you're going to come with me one day, uh, you go to Jerusalem, and you stand up on top of the Mount of Olives and you look down the valley, the Kidron Valley, up into where the Temple Mount is and you can see this sea of graves and it's all these people that have been buried there over the last couple of thousand years uh, outside that Western Wall and you can see all these tombs, people waiting for Jesus to come back again. And if you were to find the tomb of Jesus, and we don't really know which one it is, there's traditional places that are celebrated in the Church of the Holy Sepulchre. There's different tombs around Jerusalem. We don't really know which one he was in. But if we were to find it, it'd be empty. If we found other tombs, we'd find bones in them. They wouldn't be empty. And here we have Jesus reminding us that we can take him at his word. And it was what he promised. And the angel says, come and see where the Lord lay. The stone rolled away to let Jesus out. John chapter 20 verse 19 tells us that Jesus in his resurrection body could just walk through doors and walls. He could do whatever he wants. But the stone needed to be rolled away so that people could see and be persuaded that Jesus was raised from the dead. And he just didn't walk through the stone and they didn't know whether he was there or not. Um, And it's interesting that the, the, France says this, the invitation to see the place where he lay is appropriately addressed to the same people who had watched the body being deposited so that there is no possibility of a mistake. And the fact of the resurrection is clear enough, but we have to also understand the meaning of the resurrection because it really does give us an understanding that Jesus' payment on the cross was enough. It was enough. And there are so many times in life when we discount what God can do, whether we take him at his word. And really, without saying it, what we are, what we are saying is, Jesus, what you did on the cross wasn't really enough. But it was enough. And Jesus walking out of the grave is what proved that it was enough. Now, they see where Jesus had been laid. And David Guzik says this. When we see the place where they laid him, we see that the Father did not forsake Jesus. When we see the place where they laid him, we see that death is conquered. And when we see the place where they laid him, we see that we have a living friend in Jesus. I uh, absolutely love that. Okay, let's move on. Verse 7. Go quickly and tell his disciples that he is risen from the dead. And indeed, he is going before you into Galilee. There you'll see him. Behold, I have told you. So they went out quickly from the tomb with fear and great joy and ran to bring his disciples word. I bet they did. They got told to run quickly. So they ran quickly. How many times does God tell us to run quickly and we just jog or we just pause or we just kind of like, I'm just taking a slow walk, doing it my own time. And God's like, go quickly. Go quickly. Run! If I tell you to run quickly, there's a reason why I'm telling you to run quickly. So here we go. We got these two ladies here, and the angel commissions and commands them to be the first messengers of the good news of Jesus' resurrection. Now, these two women, and I, I, I man, I'm, I'm blown away by the faithfulness of these two women, because these two women became the very first evangelists. The very first people to run and tell somebody Jesus has risen from the dead. He's alive. He really is our Lord and Savior. Two women called to be the first evangelists. Why? Because all the wussy men were at home, forgotten what Jesus said, all cowering away. Oh, what are we going to do now? But no, these two women, they go into the grave. They're going to prepare his body. The angel tells them something. They're like, we believe it. We're running. I love that. And uh, I love women who respond to that ministry call uh, to, to tell people about Jesus. And I affirm that. Um, here we have this opportunity for these two women to go and tell the disciples. And the angel says, he's going to go before you up to Galilee. That's, I don't know, probably 30, 40 miles north of where they are uh, at this point in time. And which meant that the angel saying, hey, he's not here, but you're going to see him you get to see what he looks like you're going to see resurrection resurrected Jesus and you're going to be able to like have a relationship with him which i imagine wouldn't have would have been an amazing thing for those women to tell the disciples because they ran with fear and great joy now what have you ever done with fear and great joy those two things i think that's a lot of people's salvation experience when they first give their life to Jesus There's a fear in them of like, oh, I'm going to raise my hand. Oh, I'm going to pray that prayer. I'm going to give my life to you. What's he going to ask me to do? Oh, no. Uh, Is everybody going to know my sins? Whatever. But you got great joy because you know it's your access to salvation. You know it's your access to eternal life. And you're like, oh, this is amazing, but I'm really, really scared. What's he going to, how's this going to work out? I think that's what these two ladies had. Fear and great joy. So let's move on to verse 9. Okay. As they went to tell his disciples, behold, Jesus met them, saying, Rejoice. So they came and held him by the feet and worshipped him. And then Jesus said, Do not be afraid. Go and tell my brethren to go to Galilee, and there they will see me. Oh, why did they get to see Jesus? Because they obeyed what the angel told them to do. Um, the reason we don't see God in our circumstances sometimes is because we're not listening to what God is telling us either through a messenger, through a prophetic word, through the Bible. Uh, you know, we're not listening and we're not obedient. But when you're obedient, you see Jesus. That's what happened to these women. They're obedient. They saw Jesus and they said, rejoice. What else are they going to say? They worship his feet. They see him and they felt this co- uh, compelling uh, desire to worship him. You know, just a, a few minutes before, they thought everything was lost. They're going to prepare his body for burial. Uh, and now all of a sudden they know that he's alive. Wow. Of course they're going to worship him. And Jesus, interestingly enough, received the worship of these two ladies, which means an acknowledgement. Yes, I am God. I am worthy of your worship. Otherwise, it would have been inappropriate for him to receive their worship. Now, he says to them, don't be afraid. Again, so, this is a couple of times that they've been told, don't be afraid, uh, which means I can only imagine that the look on their face to the angel and to Jesus, both gave the look that they were absolutely petrified. Um, I don't know. Uh, but they are told twice, don't be afraid. And I think that's like us. You know, God asks us to do something. He'll ask us to whatever. And we're afraid because we think of the natural consequences. We think about the natural way we can pull it off. And he's not thinking about that. He's thinking about the supernatural power of the Holy Spirit that raised him from the dead that can allow you to do anything. When, when Philippians says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, it's because of the power of the Holy Spirit. The power of the Holy Spirit, the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you. That's what the Bible says. So don't be afraid. So that's what they did. Now, interestingly enough, he calls the disciples for the very first time, my brethren. Now think about this. He's about to go and appear to the disciples. The last time he saw the disciples was in the Garden of Gethsemane when he was arrested and they all took off. They all took off. Every one of them. Not one of them stayed. Judas is now, uh, he, he's, he's out. And the other eleven, useless, took off. Then Peter denies him three times, which Jesus observes happen. Then they're not at the cross. They don't go. They don't go. Only one, only one goes and comforts, um, Jesus' mother, you've got John, he's the only one of the disciples that actually goes to the cross. Nobody else goes. So now you've got them in this kind of moping, uh, oh, what are we going to do? And I'd imagine that there would have been a part of them that felt, oh, um, I don't know how this is going to play out. Because if he really is, if he is alive, then I don't think he's going to be very happy with us because we didn't do what he asked us to do and we had no faith whatsoever. Uh, Clark says this about Jesus calling the disciples, my brethren, to the two ladies. This is the first time our Lord called his disciples by this endearing name. They no doubt thought that their Lord would reproach them with their past cowardice and infidelity. But in speaking thus, he gives them a full assurance in the most tender terms that all was past, was buried over forever. And so I'm gonna leave it there. We, we I'm just gonna I I want I want to know what you observe personally out of this. Okay, you have to use your personal observation to encourage the the many people that will watch this, listen to it whenever. What what do you observe? What do do you get out of this? Because there's so much in this for all of us. And for me personally, what I observe is to take Jesus at his word. Now, for me personally, I've never really struggled with that. I just haven't. I've always dared to believe if something's in the Bible, it's for me. I understand that it's got nothing to to do with me deserving it or being worthy. I get all that. I just believe that what Jesus did on the cross was enough, and so all the words are there for me. So when I read that, that's not a new observation for me, but it may be for you. I think the new observation for me in this is to not overthink when God asks me to do something uh when he asked me to do something or 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 if I've done something wrong not to feel like he's gonna be mad at me but to understand that I can come to him with forgiveness. I think there's some some a few nuances there that I observe. So let me pray today and uh and and please please type out uh tell somebody what do you observe out of this. Heavenly Father we thank you for this wonderful story. Oh Jesus thank you thank you thank you thank you thank you thank you that you are good for your word. Thank you that you call us to be ambassadors and evangelists for a risen saviour who wants to be our friend and our Lord and to guide us into all truth. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you so much for listening. For more content, please don't forget to check out my YouTube channel, Anthony P. Richards. Have a great day.